How are we doing today? Thanks for coming to church. Thanks to those of you who are joining us online. We're thrilled you're here as well. Friends, we're in the middle of a series we're calling The Cycle of Grace. We've been looking at it for the last few weeks. However, we're going to take a pause today and not look at that series because guess what? Jeff's back. If you don't know my friend Jeff Lucas, he is a pastor and a preacher, a writer, and a dear friend. Jeff and Kay have been friends of me personally in our in our church community for the last 25 years, and I'm so thankful that God uh, brought these dear people into my life, and I'm glad I get to share them with you in relationship. And so Jeff's got a powerful message for us today. Uh, I, I mentioned Jeff's an author. Every time he comes, I ask him to bring uh, some of his books with us, uh, some of his books with him, because they can be great resources for you uh, as you journey in, with Jesus each day. And so he, he's brought a few of his books with him today. Jeff, come on up. We're going to have you talk about him on your way up. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. We've got some NFL playoff games today, Super yeah. Bowl in a couple of weeks. How are we feeling about that? All right, I, I, can you hear me all right? No. Hello? My mic's on. Hello? I don't believe it. It's it's on. There you oh, are. there you are. I'll come up again. Hang on. Let's do that again. Hey, Troy, what was your question? Super Bowl, two weeks. How do we feel about it? I really don't give a rip. Honestly. I, I don't care. It's a bunch of guys in crash helmets beating the living daylights out of each other. And every five minutes they stop and measure the field. That's irrational. So, I... Uh, I follow the soccer, the game of the Lord. Mm. <laughs> Any of you rooting for Taylor Swift in this Super Bowl in a couple of weeks? Okay, who is curious. She? Can I? Who is she? We're living in Taylor's world, Jeff. All right. You should thank her for it. Okay. Tell us about some books. Oh, good. Um, hello again, everybody. Uh, yeah, there's four books uh, here, and it's God's will you buy them. And uh, I always say that every time, don't I? But Faith in the Fog uh, is is uh, a book that explores the breakfast that Jesus cooked for his weary disciples. Thanks for modeling that. Could you kind of go, oh, that's it, very nice. Um, and uh, when we go, do- could you stop distracting people while I do this? Um, and, uh, I'm yeah. selling. Yeah. I'm selling. Okay. Just hold the book, right? And um, that's Faith in the Fog. And uh, secondly, there is this book, There Are No Strong People. Mm. And uh, it's, it's about the story. It's about, <laughs> it's about the story of Samson. Now, Samson was a naughty boy. Okay. Everybody say naughty. Naughty. No. That's naughty. 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 When you say naughty, it sounds naughty, doesn't it? Um, and anyway, uh, there's kind of like, he was a bad guy when it came to ladies, quite seriously. I just need to give a health warning. I always say this when I mention the book because there's quite a lot of blunt talk in there about things. Don't say that, Jeff. That's offensive. Not snacks. Sex. So if you're easily offended, please don't buy the book. Um, that would be bad. Although looking around, I think some of you are going to run out right now and buy the book. So, <laughs> Singing in Babylon, Finding Purpose in Life, Second Choices. Daniel didn't want to live in, in Babylon. We all live with second choices. Finally, Specs and Planks, Make You Laugh, Make You Cry. So here's the thing. Uh, make You Think is the idea. And the books are normally $12. Here they are $7. Buy any four for $20. Please gasp in amazement. <laughs> I know. I'm stunned myself. So that's it. Thank you for your help, Troy. My delight, friend. Before Jeff speaks, why don't we take a moment and invite God to speak to us. Father, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, no matter where we are in the spiritual journey. Our friend has brought to our community a timely message that I think will be important for many of us to hear. So help us be ready to hear. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives in response to this message. 
thanks for bringing Jeff and Kay into our lives. And uh, we look to you for good things today and in the days ahead. In the name of King Jesus, amen. Well, it really is so good to be with you. Thank you once again. We've been, Kay and I have been coming here for hundreds of years. And uh, we love it. We just love being with you. And I know that, I know that speakers always say that kind of stuff. But we've, we've been figuring out, actually, that over the last 30 years, we've probably been in a thousand different churches and conferences around the world. I don't say that to impress you. I say that to say how valuable we find it just to be part of Capital feels like a second home to us. You know why that, I've, I've been thinking while we were worshipping, why, why does it always feel so good? And it is friendship, the fun, uh, the, the friendship, the, the, the relationship that we have with Troy and Suzanne and many of the team and with you here. It is the worship, you do know you have the most, I say it every time, the most remarkable worship team. Tim does and others do great, great work here in, in leading in worship. It's just it's just beautiful. But but here's the thing, and I'll just say this and then we'll get on with this. I am nourished and refreshed this weekend by being with you. This is not just me coming and giving out. My own soul is nourished. And I pray that you'll be nourished too as we dig in together today. There are two things that Troy always says, I think, in just about every service. He normally comes up at the at the beginning or whenever he uh, greets you, and he has these two words that he always says, and they are... Hi, friends. That's it. <laughs> hi, friends. He always says, hi, friends. And then he always ends the service with a kind of benediction statement. It's the, it's the final parting shot, if you like, and it is... Grace and peace. Well done grace and peace and this very intentional this is not just a, a vague habit I know that he's thought very carefully about that but with that in mind I want to call this message that I'm going to share with you this weekend hi friends hi friends sometimes God in fact most of the time in my life at least God whispers to me I occasionally meet Christians who seem to have these daily revelations and interactions and chats with God, and I'm not sure whether to envy them or suggest therapy. I'm really not sure about how to go with that. But in my experience, God tends to whisper rather than shout, and I think that's rather beautiful because when you whisper, it's because you want someone to come closer to you, that they might hear you. But every now and again, it feels like God turns the volume, the volume up. And I want to say as we dig in here, and it's for you to decide, not just for me to declare, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is turning up the volume for us this weekend because I did not know when I prepared this message that two weeks ago, Troy shared part of his personal identity statement with you. And if you didn't hear it, I'll share it more later. But he talked about being the friend, a friend of Jesus, the Jesus who shares secrets with him. And I had no clue about that, prepared this message. It feels like a jigsaw puzzle is being put together. Now, my friend Tim is going to come back. Where's Tim? Are you around, Tim? He's going to... Look at that. He just appears. It's so beautiful. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to sing this 27-verse song the Lord gave me last night. That wouldn't be good, Tim, would it? I'm not going to respond. Okay, that's fine. Just play it safe. John 15, this is what Jesus says. He effectively says... Hi, friends. As the Father has loved me, so, has, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you 
Friends, for everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Friendship, we hunger for it. We need it. We're, again, nourished by it. And, and the idea of friendship is a very popular notion in our culture. Let's play Name That Tune, okay? We're going to play just part of three three theme songs. And if you get all three, three you, you might win the new car. So, so where does this melody come from? Yes, sometimes you want to go where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see troubles are all the same. You want to go where everyone knows your name. How about this one? Friends. So no one told you life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. Here's the last one. Lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. How many got all three? You can pick up the keys to the new car from Troy later. That would be great. Hey, let's say thanks to Tim, shall we? Thanks very much. So friendship is a commonly used word in our culture, but I want to suggest to us today that it's a somewhat devalued word. Um, this morning I got onto Facebook. I like getting onto Facebook because I need to know what people have had for breakfast and see photographs of that. And also I just love pictures of smiling kittens. And so I get onto Facebook. But we do need to know, everybody, that those friends, are not our friends in the most part. I mean, generally, friendship is seen today to be a kind of vague sense of getting along with people and wanting to spend time with them, maybe go to places with them. But in New Testament thinking, when Jesus spoke about friendship, in that culture, friendship was a much deeper thing. The theologian Jürgen Moltmann has said that friendship was a relationship of that was much deeper, a sense of equality and mutuality and support. Henry Newman has said this, friendship is one of the greatest gifts a human being can receive. It's a bond beyond common goals, common interests or common histories. It is a bond stronger than sexual union can create, deeper than a shared fate can solidify and even more intimate than the bonds of marriage or community. Friendship is being with the other in joy and sorrow, even when we cannot increase the joy or decrease the sorrow. It's a unity of souls that brings nobility and sincerity to love. Friendship makes all of life shine brightly. Blessed are those who lay down their lives for their friends. A simple definition of a friend is someone who is faithfully with us. And that's exactly who Jesus is. When Old Testament prophets spoke of his coming in the incarnation, Isaiah spoke of a coming friend. In a verse that's normally trotted out at Christmas time, we, we read in Isaiah 7, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. That means God with us. Now that prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled in two ways. In the first sense, it was fulfilled in the birth of a son to Isaiah. 
And Isaiah gave that son the name Malahalashazbaz. It's a fun word. You're right. And you're probably wondering, what does Malahashaz mean in the literal Hebrew? And it means, what were my parents thinking when they gave me this name? (laughs) Some of you are writing that down. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter what it means. The prophecy was fulfilled partially in that, but ultimately... In the coming of Jesus, Matthew makes it clear. He connects the dots for us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And of course, Mary and Joseph called him Jesus, not Emmanuel. So what's going on? Well, Emmanuel is a a word that defines primarily who Jesus is and what he came to do to be with us rather than simply his name. He is the friend who is with us. Let me make what might seem like a startling statement. If every human being on the planet was truly living as a friend of Jesus, every problem of humanity would be resolved. That's how big this is. Now you, you might push back and say, but, but there have been some horrendous things done by religion through the centuries. And you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm not talking about institutionalized religion. I'm talking about Jesus. It was William Barry who said, God wants a world where we human beings live in harmony and friendship with God, with one another, and with the rest of creation, cooperating with God wherever we are. For this vision, Jesus came and lived and gave his life for us. So let's think about this a little. Because it's ever so easy to sing the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But what does that mean? Let's, let's explore that as we continue to share this next three and a half hours together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, real fear just descended <laughs> upon God's people. I'm kidding, obviously. First of all, Jesus, the friend who offers friendship that brings great joy. He offers friendship that brings great joy. When Jesus spoke about joy... The disciples who were good Jewish boys would have immediately thought Messiah because in their thinking and in biblical history and revelation, Messiah was always seen to be the one who was the bringer of joy. And Jesus says in John 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The disciples are going, Messiah, Messiah. And of course, this fulfilled Isaiah 25, 9. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Jesus is the most joyful person in the universe. You ever meet Christians who are consummately miserable? And I'm not talking about sadness. We, we need to embrace that. But I, occasionally I meet Christians and they say that they hang around with this joyful Jesus. But I, I'm like, they seem kind of mildly constipated. <laughs> Can I say that? I just did. Just did. And I don't know whether to give them a Bible verse or a bowl of bran. You know, it's like, what <laughs> is going on? Did I just say that too? What is our perception of Jesus? Dr. Peter Kuzmik, uh, an authority on Christian ministry in post-communist context, he sat down with a Ukrainian student who was not a believer and showed her a number of photographs and said, with which of these photographs do you most associate God? And, he, and she picked a photograph of a hand holding a lizard and the lizard was biting the hand. That was her view of God. What is our view of God? I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, the the church's main mission is to wash the face of Jesus. What does he mean by that? What he meant by that is that religion 
can smear, disfigure the face of Jesus in our perception. Religion does that. Catholic priest William Barry said, we all have our own default view of God. What's our default view of God? We're kind of late this weekend. We were supposed to be here in October. We're late. And a week before we were due to be here, I had to call Troy and say, we can't come. What's happening? What happened? And What's still happening? Well, in September... Kay was in England, my wife Kay, and she was bitten by a spider, not a poisonous spider. We don't have poisonous spiders in England. That's uncivilized and illegal. They don't have poisonous spiders there. But this spider bite went bad, so she went to her physician and he prescribed an antibiotic, which is not licensed in America, but they use it in the UK. And the reason it's not licensed in America is because one in 20,000 people that get this, that take this, gets liver failure. Now, I've always known that my lovely Kay is one in 20,000 because she's lived with me and still smiles. But she is that one in 20,000. And suddenly she became luminous yellow with jaundice. And we rushed the advice of our doctor to the emergency room and her liver enzymes were 28 times normal and we started to hear stuff like um, liver transplant and for three weeks when we were supposed to be here that first weekend I thought I was going to lose her I share that not for your sympathy but I want to be vulnerable and tell you that when we were walking through that, I'm saying to God, why, why is this happening? Is, is there something that you're punishing us for? And, or more likely punishing me, because Kay doesn't do any bad stuff. <laughs> and then I thought, God, are you just indifferent to this situation? You see, brothers and sisters, friends, our default view of God does not emerge when life is good. God is good. Our true default view of God emerges when life is horrible and we are hemmed in by question marks. And I believe as Tim and the wonderful team led us in declaring your goodness is coming out, it's running out, it's looking for me. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, you know just how good the Lord is. What kind of weirdness would it be? How can I love a Jesus who apparently wants to kill my wife out of vengeance? What's our default view of God? I'm going to encourage us this week to be asking the Holy Spirit to show us. Because if we all don't have a perfect vision of Jesus. It's a patchwork quilt of 10,000 sermons and a 100,000 worship songs and conversation and church experience and familial family upbringing. It's all a patchwork quilt. One day, one day we'll see him face to face. We'll see him as he is. But in the meantime, we need to make sure that our perception of him is a reflection of who he really is. And he is good. Secondly, Jesus is the friend who gives us a stunning identity. A stunning identity. Jesus says, greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. When the disciples heard that, I think their jaws dropped. This was stunning. Because there is only one man in biblical history who is directly called a friend of God. And that is Abraham, Isaiah 41.8. Abraham, my friend. And it's so staggering that James amplifies that in his writing in the New Testament. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Indirectly, Moses was a friend of God. We read that he spoke to God like a friend. But it's Abraham alone who is directly designated a friend of God. 
And Jesus is saying to us, to you, to me, hi friend. He is, dare I suggest, looking at us in the same way that he views Abraham. That's staggering. But our identity is so important. I've shared this illustration before, but I like it. So if, you, if you've heard it, just humor me. Just, you know, pretend it's new. Anyone seen The Lion King? Anyone seen? Right, raise your hand. Okay. All right. That's great. Some people are kind of reluctant to raise your hand then. It's like, <laughs> raise your hand if you never raise your hand. Just do that. <laughs> In The Lion King, the evil scar challenges little Simba the son of the good king Mufasa and there's quite a battle and then Mufasa speaks from the clouds you know that moment of affirming identity Simba Simba you are my son Simba you are my son you have forgotten who you are I've been practicing that all week And little Simba marches back to the Pride Land to restore law and order because now he knows who he is. When Jesus says, hi friend, this is not a hallmark greeting card God exchanging pleasantries. He is telling us who we are. I love those that that ancient blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance. What does that mean? One scholar has said a better, a, a good translation of it would be that may God look right at you with a shining face. I met Venus this morning. Where's Where's Venus? Don't worry, Venus, nothing weird's going to happen. It's okay. <laughs> and we were just chatting about the fact that on a clear night sky, Venus is the star you always see. I want you to know something. It's true of Venus, it's true of you, whatever your name. God always sees you. He always sees you. Sometimes we read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But it's easier to believe that he loves the world. It's harder to believe that he loves me. Our identity with this friend, Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus is the friend who shares his secrets with us. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And if we're thinking the idea of secret sounds a little weird, um, in the New Testament, on a number of occasions, the gospel is spoken of as a secret that has now been made known. Two weeks ago, Troy shared with you this statement. It says, I am a friend of Jesus and he reveals his secrets to me each day as we share our thoughts, feelings, hopes and dreams with one another. The Lord wants us to be a people that he can whisper his wisdom to. Wisdom isn't automatic. If anyone lacks wisdom, James says, Let him ask. It's intentional as we posture ourselves and say, God, grant me wisdom, direction, insight. The Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of them is a word of knowledge where God can tell somebody something that they would not naturally know. He can give them information. I'm standing on this platform today because I met a man when I was 17 years of age three weeks a Christian I met a man who had learned to listen for the secrets of God I'd become a Christian at the age of 17 this was back in the 1970s anyone remember the 70s great music horrendous fashions it was just hideous a fashion demon roamed the earth mugging people we wore flares 
bell bottoms. Anyone remember uh, evil things like just <laughs> pants that come out? You know, we call them trousers. You call them pants, but I always feel weird about that because in England your pants are your underwear. But that's not important right now. <laughs> And uh, you, you'd walk down the street with your flares, and if you got caught by the wind, you know, you'd end up in Botswana or somewhere. It was, it was kind of crazy. And I've been a Christian for three weeks, and I'm starting to feel this nudge, this whisper, that maybe one day I'd be doing what I'm doing right now, and that I'd be church planting, and a pastor, and, and, and a Bible teacher. But I've only been a Christian for three weeks. This is ridiculous. And you know, I'm a 17-year-old kid in the youth group. I had hair, long hair back then, rather than the stranded peninsula look. And and I, I had beads on for some reason that I cannot rationally determine. And I went to this youth weekend with Kay. We're kids in the youth group. And we had this guest speaker come. He's an outside speaker. He does not know any of us. And on the Friday night of the youth retreat, he stood up and he said, hi, everybody. He said, on my way here to this retreat, God spoke to me and told me that there are three of you here who have been called into full-time Christian leadership. And then he said, and God told me your first and last names. <laughs> Whoa. And I remember looking around thinking, I wonder who it is. It's probably that kid who's sitting on the front row. He had his hands raised during the announcements. He's really keen. It's probably him. And I didn't for a moment, even though I've got this stirring going on, I didn't think it was me because we tend to count ourselves out when blessing is announced and count ourselves in when judgment is announced. It's part of the human condition. He said, I'll be talking to you over the weekend, you three. And this will be confirmation to you. On the Saturday night, the next night, I'm in the service and I felt the presence of God in this amazing, just this heaviness, this closeness. Can't really describe it adequately. And at the end of the service, I, I go up to him, this guest speaker, his name is John. I did not introduce myself. I just said, sir, I have a question for you. And I, I can't even remember what the question was. And he answered the question. I said, thank you very much. And I turned to walk away and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, your name is Jeff Lucas, isn't it? Oh, wow. That's what I said. <laughs> and in that moment, I didn't exactly know what my name was. <laughs> and he said, your name's Jeff Lucas. He said, God's been calling you. You're one of the three. And I said, wow. He said, get on with it. So I did. And that's why I'm here. And every now and again, when I don't want to do this anymore, I remember that I met a man with whom God shared his secrets. And maybe like some of you, I can struggle with doubt. And to be honest, occasionally I become an atheist during traffic jams. You know. <laughs> But then I remember the day when I bumped into a man with whom God shared his secrets. That's why this cycle of grace series is so important. Because of the friendship heart that Jesus has and the fact that he wants to share his secrets with us. Could we more intentionally posture ourselves to hear him? Fourthly, Jesus is the friend who calls us to love others as we have been loved. He wants us to pass this on. John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then John reaffirms and looks back to that statement in 1 John 3 and says, this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Has anybody noticed, I've got this theory that since COVID, people are driving angrier. Has anyone noticed that? It seems like the fuse just seems to go off a little quicker and people are angrier. And, and I notice it being in Colorado, where, where we live, I notice it at roundabouts. Can I just say lovely American people? God bless you. 
But there seems to be a little roundabout confusion in the nation. And I'm going to go on a nationwide tour to educate. Because a roundabout, let me just say this gently, a roundabout is not a four-way stop. No. No. What happens is I approach a roundabout. And I'm, it's already a bit of a struggle because I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. We drive, we drive on the left, God's side, and I get to the roundabout and this person says to himself, self, I, I got to this part of the roundabout before you did, so I'm gonna go now. This is wrong. I don't want to overstate it, but it's thoroughly evil. And then I pull out, And they get mad with me. And they share a gesticulation. (laughs) And of course I don't respond being a Christian and also I've got a fish on the back of my car so that would be awkward. (laughs) But I am just noticing that people seem to be angrier. And guess what everybody, and I can can talk about this freely because I am not yet an American citizen so I can't vote. I'm... I'm, I'm a resident alien, Nanu, Nanu, right? Does that, have you heard it's election year? Have you noticed that? Oh, praise the Lord. Because you know what's going to happen? It, it, the shouting's going to increase. And the emails and the disagreement and, and the yelling... And I'm just talking about in the Christian church. Can I say this? My primary identity is not British. Your primary identity is not American or whatever nation you come from. Your primary identity is not Republican. Your primary identity is not Democrat. Your primary identity is not independent. Your primary identity is child of God and citizen of the kingdom. And where it all goes wrong is when we get it back to front. And it occurred to me when I was praying for a bit this morning that what happens in these seasons is that we prioritize issues but we forget attitudes. It's interesting when they ask Jesus about taxes. He says, oh, go find a fish. There'll be a coin in there. And he could have given them a seminar on the relationship they should have with the state. But instead, he took care of the taxes. How many would like that? Pay your taxes by finding a fish. That is a great way to respond to the IRS. But he doesn't give them a lecture at that point about their relationship with the state but he says so that they will not be offended he focuses on attitude now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about those issues but let's do it with kindness I get scared when Christians come up to me and they say can I speak to you in love Jeff I'm like can I find a nearby nuclear fallout shelter Let's model something different. Well, the last thing is this. Jesus, the friend who promises that we will never be alone again. This is the friendship that will last forever. Matthew begins with, I am with you. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then he ends his gospel with that promise from Jesus. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He bookends Matthew bookends everything with the I am with you's of God. One of my problems in life is that I tend to lose things. Anyone like that? Every day I lose things. My wallet, my sunglasses, my keys. Anyone do that? Every day. And K is, my K is so helpful when I lose stuff because I I say, have you seen my, my wallet? And she always says the same thing. Where did you leave it? I'm like, if I knew that, I would be able to locate it. 
And before the days of trackers, you know, you can get these trackers and you put them on your keys or whatever and you look at your iPhone or whatever you got and you find out where they are. Before that, they invented these clapping things where you can clap and it goes beep, 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 beep. You know what I'm talking about? And so, when I, I mean, I'd walk around like a worshipper on Duracell. was like... Here's what I, I do. I, I lose my wallet. I lose my keys. I lose my sunglasses. And I lose my grip on the truth that I'm going to be with Jesus forever. It just slips my mind. And I, just to be honest, heaven used to worry me. Because I thought it was like a billion year long worship service. Now I, I've already said, I, I love worshipping with you guys, but... I've been in a few church services where we just sang forever. Let's sing that verse that we've just sung 28 times again. And I'm like, if that worship leader announces one more song, I'm going to have to hurt him. This is the situation. I can hear angels snoring. God himself is bored I'm exhausted and I was in one of those services and I'm like please we've been singing for an hour and a quarter I just want to sit down and the worship leader breathlessly leaned into the microphone and said do you know heaven's going to be just like this only longer and I'm like beam me up Scotty There will be magnificent face-to-face worship in eternity, but heaven is going to be be about unending togetherness. And what a beautiful picture to remind us, especially those of us who've lost dear ones who are in Christ in recent months. May the lovely Holy Spirit Gently hold your heart close as you hear what's ahead. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. and He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. This is not all there is, friends. He's the friend who runs out to us but is never going to run out on us. As I end this message, I had a sense, I would dare to say, I believe prophetically, that I should end this message by jumping out of everything I've just said and just telling you for a couple of minutes about a man called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, he was, uh, I think, grandson of King Saul, King David's arch enemy. And he was uh, dropped when he was a baby and he was disabled in both feet. And there came a day when David summoned him and invited him to come and be like his son. And there's this incredible moment when Mephibosheth responds to David's invitation, this limping man. And he said, why would you notice a dead dog like me? A dead dog like me. Some of us feel like that. Dead dog. And some of us are currently walking with a limp. FYI, me too. Tomorrow's a big day for us. Another MRI scan. I'm limping. But it's all right, friends. It's all right. You don't have to be the sleek marathoner, the athlete surging down the track. You can limp 
around Jesus. Archbishop Tutu said, God created us not because he's lonely and needs us, but because he loves us and wants us. And that's true when we limp. So as we pray, let's now and this week ask the Lord, what's my default view of you? Where have I got a messed up view of you? And let's keep those of us who limp, let's just keep limping along knowing that we don't have to keep up with this friend. He walks with us. We're going to pray. And in Tim, we hadn't planned the, what I'm about to say, but we're going to pray. And then I'd like us just to declare that, that refrain, your goodness is running out just that gentle refrain and we'll declare it together let's pray Father you are so good would you show us where we have not got you correctly and none of us see you perfectly yet show us our default view of you Reveal more of Jesus to us. We pray for those who limp today. And we don't normally do this, but with our heads bowed, I'm just feeling a nudge to say this. If you're one of those who's limping right now and and you want to just let Jesus know that, he already knows but it's good to open our souls to him if you're limping right now why don't you just while our heads about why don't you just slip up your hand for a moment if you're limping right now just go ahead and do that thank you you can put your hands down strengthen your people let's just declare that Tim the goodness of God your goodness is running now running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down Surrender now Give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me We sing it again your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Thank you, Lord, that your goodness is, it is running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Friends, you can personally know Jesus as your friend. I don't know how you feel about that statement. We all come from different faith traditions, if you have one at all. If you've come from a a more cerebral faith where your approach to, to... to belief is intellectual, theological, doctrinal. This idea of having a personal relationship with God might sound a bit woo-woo. Maybe you grew up in a theological tradition that talks like that. It's mentioned often, but rarely truly experienced. And I just want to say, you really can know him. As your friend, as you walk the earth, 
Now, we know Jesus as a friend in a different way than we might know our best friend. I get that. But once you experience what I'm talking about, it's actually more similar to that than you might think. Some of you have been working through that experiencing God Bible study with me in this season. You might be getting a taste of that right now. Look, no matter where life finds you right now in relationship to God, I'm going to challenge you to do something. Um, just simply pray a prayer. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's sometime later this week when you can give this some thought and carve out the time. But I want to encourage you to pray a particular prayer. Simply say, Jesus, I want to be your friend. I know that's a vulnerable thing to say to anyone. On the one hand, if you're not even sure there is a God, you might feel like that's a bit risky. And here's what I'd say to you. Just think this through. If there's not a God, worst case scenario, you're talking to yourself. You've probably done dumber things this week than that, okay? So maybe your prayer sounds like this. God, if there is a God, and you can be known like that, I want to be known like that, and I want to know you like that. I want to be your friend. But if, but for you, it might be risky in another way because it, it's that vulnerable experience of sticking your neck out. W- what if you're rejected? What if What if he says no? And, w- and when I point that out, all I want to point out is if that's the way you're thinking, you got the wrong idea about him, that default picture of God that Jeff was talking about, he loves you more than you could ever know. And the thing about Jesus is he always loves first. He's already made the request to you for you to be his friend. So you're not actually risking anything. No matter who you are, where you are, what you've done. I'm going to challenge you to make that your prayer this week. I want you to be my friend, Jesus. Stand with me. Thanks for coming to church today, my friends. Thanks for joining us online. If you'd, uh, before you go outside on the patio, if you're here in the building, we've got some of Jeff's books for you. Seven dollars. Seven is God's number, Jeff. Is that a sign? (laughs) He's not trying to make money. He just loves you. And I ask him to bring these books because maybe, maybe God can use something that Jeff's written to help you connect to God throughout the week, okay? So check it out. Check out that book table outside. Here's, here's also what I want to say is if you've come with a knee, there will be people here at the front to pray for you. You can make your weapon vine to do so. You can always send us an email, care at capitalchurch.com because we want to lift you up and your need up in prayer, okay? Here's my prayer for all of you before you go. I'll keep it simple. My friends, may you accept his invitation to be his friend. Thanks for coming today. Grace and peace.